Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What you're about to hear is a bit of a Stories of Our Times exclusive. It was the 3rd of March this year, and the director of Westminster's China Research Group, Chris Cash, was giving a podcast interview. Yeah, so I would say fundamentally in the UK, as there's a poor understanding of how China works. Cash described what his work involved. So we have two real strands of work. One is the parliamentary side of things, where we will brief MPs for China-related debates in the chamber, and the other side is, is shaping the public debate, and that's everything from hosting events with experts to writing opinion pieces for our MPs. Ten days later, he was arrested on suspicion of spying for China. Chris Cash insists he's innocent, He says that any claims that he is a Chinese spy are extravagant and go against everything he stands for. He was released on bail until October and no charges have yet been brought. At just 28 years old, Cash had been at the heart of the hawkish China sceptic movement in Westminster. And, it turns out, He was also a prolific podcaster, and we've been trawling through his interviews. I don't think we should follow the the US on absolutely everything that they do with China. I think that's the wrong way way of looking at it. We need a functioning relationship with China. We can't turn our backs on it. If the allegations against Chris Cash are true, it's one of the most serious espionage incidents in the UK since the Cold War. In his final appearance on the China Research Group's podcast in December, he had this to say about the American ban on exporting semiconductors to China. Does this, do these restrictions on advanced semiconductors really sort of kneecap China? Would it be fair to say that now the US government sort of is simply trying to, to halt China's rise? These new controls perhaps go beyond pure concerns of military use. It seems like something Beijing wouldn't take lying down necessarily. And it could be argued that measures such as export controls will have a, a sort of detrimental impact on global innovation. In the podcast, he does call the Chinese president Xi Jinping authoritarian and a strongman, and he expresses support for democracy in Taiwan, which makes the allegations all the more shocking. Today, for the first time, 
The Sunday Times journalist who broke the story of Cash's arrest gives us a behind-the-scenes account of how the investigation unfolded and why we're choosing to name the suspected spy. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the parliamentary researcher accused of spying for China. I'm Caroline Wheeler and I'm the political editor of The Sunday Times. And what a week you're having. No. <laughs> yeah, it's been one of the bigger weeks. Tell us, how did you first get the story? Well, the first thing to say is that this was a massive team effort from the Sunday Times and kind of shows how a team of experienced journalists can actually get to the bottom of some fairly difficult and murky subjects. Stories of this kind are very, very difficult to stand up, not least because they involve very sensitive subjects and and also the security services, Mm. who are often very reticent to share information of this variety. So it was largely a tip and then using deduction. We'd had a, a tip about two, three weeks ago that there had been some kind of infiltration of parliament by a hostile state. Obviously, we can only say that that's an allegation at this point, but that was all we knew. We didn't know which country it was. We didn't know what type of infiltration it had been. And of course, you know, there had been attempts to infiltrate Parliament before, whether it be cyber attacks or other forms of subterfuge. Mm. So we were kind of scraping around in a sort of exhaustive bowl of potentials, really. Because that's a massive tip-off, but at the same time, there's not that much to go on. There really wasn't that much to go on. And also, you know, in our line of work, what you don't want to do is to set hairs running. You have to be really careful when you're fishing that you're you're doing it in a responsible fashion. Mm. So we, we had that tip for a while and fairly quickly after having made one, and it was one lucky phone call, somebody had suggested to me, a, a trusted source, that I should look at employees of Alicia Cairns. And just for listeners who don't know, Alicia Cairns is the chairman of the Foreign Affairs Select Committee, but has also held roles with the China Research Group Mm. and has done a lot of really excellent work in terms of the West's and in particular Britain's response to the threat posed by China. She is one of the people who you'll see on TV sometimes saying, we've got to pay attention to China and what it's doing. She's one of the people raising the alarm. Absolutely. And the suggestion was that somebody that had been employed by Alicia Cairns was a subject of interest for potentially espionage-related activity. It wasn't clear at that point which country that would be for, but I had a fairly good suspicion that it would have been China because of the activities that Alicia Cairns has been involved in before. And, I mean, nobody at this point was helping. Everybody, pretty much to a T that I was speaking to, was saying, you know, I'm really sorry, we can't talk to you about this. Not denying that there was something there, Mm. but absolutely not going to divulge any details to us at that stage. Eventually, it sort of became like a ball of yarn, really. It's one of those things that you just unravel very slowly and kind of follow the leads. And so I I know a number of people who have been involved with the group of China Hawks that exists in Parliament. Mm. And I started to make phone calls. 
it's always very nerve-wracking because the more phone calls you make, the more likely it is that your story will come out. That's the beauty, but also the real drawback of working on a Sunday is that, you know, by and large, often what happens is half the stories you're working on have already been in the public domain by the time you get to Sunday. Somebody else has got there just before you. You have to protect those kind of leads quite carefully. Hmm. But having had those conversations, one of the things that came to light as we were looking at potentials, could it be this person? Could it be that person? We were looking at the records held in Parliament of staff members so who, who had been in the employment of Alicia Kearns. And just in the course of starting to distill down who the potential people of interest could be, I had this uh, amazing breakthrough where one of my sources said to me, well, of course, you should speak to this individual. That individual was Chris Cash, who has subsequently been named as the potential person of interest in this case. And I said, oh, why should we speak to them? Well, they're very much at the heart of this, of China policy in in Westminster. They used to run the China Research Group, a very good source for you to speak to. And we've tried to contact him on a number of occasions. And I said to this person, are we sure that this isn't the person we're looking for? No, they said that would be a shocking, shocking, shocking development if that were the case. It can't possibly be him, but I, I would really urge you to try and get hold of him. So it sort of planted the first seed of suspicion. And actually, the suggestion was it might be somebody else associated with him. So we started digging around. But obviously, we started just having the kind of first checks, I suppose, around Chris Cash. And then we tried to get hold of somebody that we had been told was effectively his closest confidant and friend on the kind of Westminster scene. And my colleague Dipesh Gadka made that call and just said it was a thoroughly strange conversation, Uh, explained we were from the Sunday Times, explained that we were looking for Chris Cash and immediately the defence system went up. OK, well, have you heard he might have been arrested? So by this point, we're starting to push the yeah. story a bit to see if anybody will confirm that he is indeed the individual concerned. And as soon as that was mentioned, the person at the other end of the phone line said, I'm really sorry, I've got to go now. I'm at the airport and I'm leaving the country and I can't help you and put the phone down. We subsequently put to that individual a number of claims because we had seen that this individual had deleted a number of replies to messages on Twitter to Chris Cash. So we asked him in a message why he had done that. Mm. We didn't get any response. But again, it kept building this picture that this was the person that we should be looking at. But actually, and this is sometimes how it goes with Sunday Times stories and stories that you develop over a long period of time. Although we'd started to believe very strongly that it was Chris Cash on sort of Thursday and those suspicions grew into Friday, it wasn't actually until lunchtime on the Saturday that we felt confident enough that it was him and that we were starting to get corroboration from people that were in the know, which was a very, very limited number of people at that time, that we were not incorrect in our suspicions. And 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 that confirmation comes through on Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon, along with the Scotland Yard statement, which you couldn't unlock that statement unless you knew, broadly speaking, who it was, because... When you go to Scotland Yard, you have to be able to put a certain piece of information for them in order for them to tell you whether or not an arrest has been made. I don't think we got that statement until 5, 5.30 on Saturday afternoon. And that was the ultimate end piece of the jigsaw, that this was indeed the individual we thought it was. And that's when you have a big hold the front page moment. From the picture you were building up from your sources, 
you get this sense that this man is incredibly important in China policy. He's massively trusted. Nobody believes that it could be him. Impeccably trusted inside Westminster. What else do we know about him? What sort of a picture have you built up of who Chris Cash is? What we know is that he's been doing that job as the director of the China Research Group for almost three years. He was arrested in Edinburgh, so he has familial connections in Scotland. He grew up in Edinburgh, the son of a GP, and he went to George Watson's school, which is a private school, before going on to study history at St Andrews University. My understanding is that he went to China and has, has always had a kind of strong interest in China and went to teach on a sort of British Council-led scheme in Hangzhou, which is not far from Shanghai, for I believe it was at least a year before he came back to do an MSc in China and globalisation studies at King's College London. And after that study, he came into Parliament. And even those that he's worked closely with have been absolutely shocked by any suggestion that it could be him. Just the fact that he had been so integral to China policy, but particularly among this group of China hawks, has really rocked everybody to their foundations. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've had from people just expressing real shock and amazement. That really is alarming. And he was, as you say, working for some of the key figures in Westminster who were working on China policy. So Alicia Kearns, who you've talked about, and also Tom Tugendhat. Tell us a bit about how he's involved. So uh, Tom Tugendhat and, of course, Alicia Kens have been involved in the China Research Group since it was founded. And in fact, Tom Tugendhat was a co-director when it was founded. That in itself is alarming because Tom Tugendhat is the security minister. Mm. The security minister is ostensibly responsible for the security agencies. Now, what we have been led to believe from Tom Tugendhat's allies is that he wasn't responsible for the recruitment of this individual. The the kind of finger of blame, as it were, has been largely pointed in the direction of Alicia Cairns. And the team around Tom Tugendhat have been at pains to point out that the contact between Chris Cash and Tom Tugendhat was limited mm. and indeed that there has not been any contact since he became the security minister. Now, if that were not the case, I mean, this would be a scandal on the scale of the Profumo affair, yeah. uh, that there had been any kind of level of infiltration of government at such a senior level. But it still raises some really, really serious questions because the types of work that the research group and individuals around Alicia Cairns and indeed Tom Tugendhat may have been involved in would have been sensitive. For example... They dealt with some of the issues around the Hong Kong protests. They were in touch with some of the dissidents. Mm. They were in touch with some of those people that have a bounty on their head from the Chinese state. And that really raises some very troubling questions about what type of information could be passed back, if indeed it was, to the Chinese Communist Party. And I think that's really where the alarm bells are ringing at the moment, because if it was, it could put these individuals' lives in danger. And in terms of classification. I mean, do we know if he had any kind of security clearance to be working on this group? Or was it just a parliamentary pass he had that gave him access to uh, an incredible amount of information? Actually, the highest level of security, which is called strap vetting, it is done for very, very few people. In fact, it's my understanding that even Dominic Cummings, who was running Downing Street for a long period of time under Boris Johnson and was attending Cobra meetings, did not have that level of clearance. So that tells you 
how few people actually get the highest level of security clearance. And actually, for the kind of job that he was doing, you wouldn't expect him to have been given security clearance because on a day-to-day basis, he wouldn't be expected to handle the most sensitive security documents. But that's not to say that the information that he would have seen wouldn't have been sensitive. So I think it's a slightly contrived debate around whether or not he had security clearance and whether this kind of made it less serious. Mm. I think for the most people working in Parliament who have that access to people, rubbing shoulders with them, conversing with them, all sorts of very sensitive information is shared in all sorts of different ways between people. So I don't think the fact that he didn't have security clearance is any indication of what kind of information he was privy to. We should say, you know, the man at the centre of all of this, Chris Cash, has very strenuously denied all allegations. After he was named by the Times, he did put out a statement saying, by his law firm, so not not him, and not named still, he put out a statement saying, I feel forced to respond to the media accusations that I am a Chinese spy. It is wrong that I should be obliged to make any form of public comment on the misreporting that has taken place. However, given what has been reported, it is vital that it is known that I am completely innocent. I have spent my career to date trying to educate others about the challenge and threats presented by the Chinese Communist Party. To do what has been claimed against me in extravagant news reporting would be against everything I stand for. What did you make of that? Well, I think it's absolutely right and proper that anybody that is accused of anything, particularly when it's so high profile and in the public domain, has the right of reply. That's why we went to such lengths to try and track Chris Cash down Mm. prior to publication. Now, as I understand it, he has been arrested on suspicion of offences related to Section 1 of the Official Secrets Act. There is an extremely high bar when it comes to a prosecution of offences in this domain. And we very rarely see prosecutions under those particular charges. And indeed, mm. we very rarely see people arrested on those offences either. So obviously, the security services have acted on information that they believe gave them the right to arrest this individual. I also think that, you know, look, there have been no charges. And it's really important that we remember that. Yeah. My understanding is that there has been charging decision pending for some time. And that this particular investigation is extremely complicated and there may be a number of people that the police are still waiting to talk to or to get to the bottom of what their involvement has been. And so these things can take a long time. Let's not forget that this arrest took place in March and no decision has yet been taken as to whether or not to charge him. Now, it may be that no charges are brought and if that's the case, then obviously that will be reported and he will no doubt have his uh, a further right to reply after that. And just take us behind the headlines, back into the heart of the newsroom, because, you know, we saw that other news organisations didn't name him, the Times did. Tell us about that decision and about the decision to put the story out given that he hadn't been charged. Yeah. So just to be clear, at the outset, the Sunday Times did not name him. Mm. We took the decision on Saturday night, which was partly because it had been an extremely fast-moving story. And as I said, we didn't have absolute concrete proof that it was the individual that we thought it was until fairly late in the day. And actually, it's really important that we weigh up the debate around whether or not there is a public interest in naming him. 
And it was important that the lawyers were involved in that, the editorial staff were involved in that, and that time was given to those considerations, which is what the Times, who had an extra 24 hours on us, Mm. then chose to do. And I know from having had conversations over the weekend that they were very live discussions that were going on in the newsroom on Sunday afternoon. But ultimately, a decision was made, and there were various reasons for that. The news about this potential infiltration had been so closely guarded Mm. that actually my understanding is that really there were only five people within Westminster that knew about it. People were so surprised that this had been a live operation that had been going on for several months since March. And nobody, even people that were working fairly closely with this individual, had been told. And I think in in, in time gone by, there have been similar sorts of issues where MPs have been brought into the circle of trust because there's been a concern about whether they've been compromised. And I think there was real anger that on this occasion... Whoever was running the operation, whether it be the parliamentary authorities or the security services or the police, had kept it to such a small circle of trust. And there was a real concern amongst MPs, including Sir Ian Duncan Smith, who vocalised this, that there was real and sufficient public interest to name him because individuals involved in the work hadn't known that this individual was in the midst. And they therefore did not know how exposed they had been to this potential subject. And it was really important then that those people that had worked with him knew who he was so that they could start making decisions and considerations about the work that they'd done with him. So that was one of the considerations. The other one was that actually, if you don't name him, it casts the light of suspicion on a far greater group of people who haven't had any involvement in this at all. Mm. And so there were really, really tough decisions made there about whether or not to name him. But clearly, at the end of the day, it was an editorial decision that the Times decided to make. No other news organisation has yet done so. And our head of legal, Pia Sharma, has spoken about this on Times Radio. What we're seeing increasingly is that the media is not naming those who've been arrested, even when there is, as the Times is saying, an overwhelming public interest in the public knowing the identity of these individuals. Why is this so difficult, Pierre? Because there's no presumption of guilt in, in how we're reporting it, how, how the Times is reporting it. We're simply saying he's been arrested. He's a, he's a suspect no further than that at the moment. So why shouldn't we know when someone's being arrested? Because the, the obverse of that is people getting lifted in the dark with no one knowing who's been taken by whom. That's not how a, how a democratic society generally tends to function, is it? Well, I, I love your thinking, Stig, and that's why we're fighting back and naming people, despite there being this uh, move towards not naming. But what's happened is that rather than saying, as you said, that there is no suspicion of guilt, the law, in fact, a case in the Supreme Court, has said that most people will think that if you're arrested, you're guilty. So they think that the average member of the public doesn't understand that when someone's arrested, it doesn't necessarily mean they're guilty. And that's wrong as a matter of what the public does understand about this. And I think this is a really good case, this story, about how the public, I think, will understand this. They'll go, hang on, we want to know who it is that's at the heart of, heart of Parliament here. We want to know his name. And we want to see that investigation pushed because spying for the Chinese is no light matter. The Chinese embassy, for its part, says the claim that China is suspected of stealing British intelligence is completely fabricated and nothing but malicious slander. In a statement, they added, 
We firmly oppose it and urge relevant parties in the UK to stop their anti-China political manipulation and stop putting on such self-staged political farce. But Chris Cash isn't the only person the authorities suspect of spying. On the day of his arrest in March, another person was also arrested and taken to the same police station. So who is the second suspect? We'll have more in just a moment. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Caroline, Chris Cash wasn't the only person who was arrested on suspicion of espionage-related offences. At the moment where we think he was arrested, another person was also arrested, and they were both taken to a South London police station together on the 13th of March. Who is the other person? Well, that is the big question, Mm. and we are inching closer to finding the answer to that and may well be in a position to say more in due course in the Sunday Times Watch if we're not beaten to it. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do know about this individual is that he's in his 30s and that he was arrested in the Oxfordshire area. Other than that, we know very little about the identity of this individual at this time. But what it is fair to say is that from our investigations, the strong message that we were given is that very often individuals suspected of these types of offences do not operate alone. Although we don't know this for sure, we suspect that there's been a number of people spoken to as part of this investigation, but only these two arrests have actually been made. 
other than the very sort of broad geographical area of where this particular individual is, which, you know, obviously gives rise to some question about whether it's an academic. Nobody thus far has been able to answer that part of the riddle. Do we know if this second person is part of the Westminster village too? Are they connected to politics in any way? Very difficult to tell. I've had multiple sources coming to me suggesting different names. Sometimes it's been the same name, sometimes it hasn't. Lots of people have come under suspicion, as it were, simply Mm. for having been a known associate of Chris Cash. I mean, I don't think that we are at the end of this story yet. It is tricky to piece it together because... Obviously, there hasn't been a charge and it would be reckless to be going around suggesting that other people are involved in this who who, who may or may not be on the periphery of it. So mm. we do have to be extremely careful. But that other person that's been arrested is is going to be key, I think, to our understanding of how the information was being disseminated, if, if indeed it was, to the Chinese state. Right, read the Sunday Times. Well, Um, we may not get there, but we'll give it a good crack. (laughs) Since this story broke, I mean, it's taken up all of the oxygen in Westminster and there have been calls on both sides of the house for a stricter approach in dealing with China on whether it should be called a threat or not. We know Rishi Sunak brought it up when he met uh, the Prime Minister of China at the G20 summit earlier this week. But really, I mean, a lot of these fears had already been out there, even before we knew about the arrest of Chris Cash. I mean, there was a very damning report from Parliament's Intelligence and Security Committee this summer. Just remind us a bit about what it said. Well, it was very clear that there were serious concerns about China and its infiltration of every level of the British state. The Intelligence and Security Committee, which is an extremely trusted and powerful organisation within the Westminster scene, said that China was targeting the UK prolifically and aggressively and suggested that government departments did not have the resources, expertise or knowledge to deal with that threat. They also said that Beijing had managed to successfully penetrate every sector of the UK's economy. I mean, these are extraordinary statements from a committee which does have security clearance and can speak to the security services in terms that no other committee of MPs can. And that was only two months ago. So there are MPs who are pointing to that committee's report and saying, we should have done more and we should have done it earlier to protect ourselves and to protect our democracy. That's really alarming. But, you know, that report when it came out was damning, but didn't get anywhere near as much attention as this story has. So hopefully this story will now raise the alarm and will make people aware that, you know, they think people have infiltrated every industry, which I think is shocking. Is there a danger that Parliament hasn't really been alive to the risk either? I mean, you know, this is a patch you hang around in. You're in Westminster most days. Do you think most MPs understand the risk It's a really good question because it's not without precedent. It's not that they didn't know that there was potential for this kind of operation. But I think what's really shocked people is that Chris Cash is a British national. Mm. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I remember being told some time ago by a friend who worked in Downing Street and was responsible for briefing MPs. 
uh, that they had a kind of list of names and also pictures of people's faces that if they suddenly popped up in lobby briefings were supposed to sort of trigger an alert. Oh. So you do kind of get the sense that at one level there is an understanding of the threat out there. But at the same time, I think that there's almost too much of a reliance on the vetting systems that are in place that people are kind of complacent. I mean, don't forget, uh, in order to have a security pass to allow you in and out of Westminster, you have to fill out an extremely detailed security questionnaire which pertains to which countries you've lived in, yeah. uh, who your parents are, who you live with, all sorts of things which are then vetted by the security agency. So the fact that Chris Cash had spent some time in China would certainly have been looked into. So that's the danger, really. This does serve as a massive wake-up call to all of us working in that sphere, that perhaps we aren't quite as immune from these kind of things as perhaps we previously thought. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Sunday Times political editor Caroline Wheeler. Don't forget to pick up a copy of The Sunday Times this weekend for all the latest revelations. The producer today was James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It helps others to find us. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.